So if you have aspirations of buying apartment buildings, writing a book, and quitting your job, you will just thoroughly love this episode and the one after it. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Welcome back to the podcast. So we have a very special treat here in today's episode. And it's actually going to be I've grouped this episode and the one after this together to put together a little bit of a theme for you to help you on your journey moving forward. So on this guest, so without any further ado and delay, this is um, a third time that this guest is making an appearance on this. And the reason why he's making an appearance for the third time is just, you know what, every time I get a chance to talk with him, he just so impresses me so much more each and every time we do have a conversation. I'm just blown away by the action he takes, by the man he's becoming, by the father, by the husband, just who he shows up on but who he shows up as on truly on a day-to-day basis. Um, This is Michael Bug. This is his third uh, installment on my podcast. And for some of you that you have uh, maybe been listening throughout the entire series, you will have known Mike. Uh, We don't get too much into the backstory. We actually just kind of do a little bit of an update. Uh, It's interesting as sometimes one of these things that I do with my podcast gives me the opportunity to catch up with some of these people that we haven't had a conversation with in a while. And I just love the the depth of the conversations that we have. So in this one, Mike and I go deep into a couple topics. One being Mike shares uh, a little bit of uh, an additional strategy he's looking at. A little bit, not quite a pivot, and more like uh, a bolt-on, an addition to his current core investing philosophy. He's looking into some smaller markets, smaller markets within Saskatchewan as a pure cash flow play. And we go into detail into the numbers. We go into detail on the transactions that he is dealing with and the opportunities he's looking to invest in. We talk about his podcast that he's doing and why he's doing uh, his podcast. We dive headfirst into a book that he's writing. And uh, Guys, so make sure you make a, make a note of on this podcast, Mike and I talk about a date in there and he makes a public commitment of when his book is going to be finished. We do a little bit of live coaching right on the spot. So make a note of that um, date, make a note of that time, and let's hold him accountable to get that job done. So we talk about the book, we talk about his latest acquisitions, but one of the things we did is I wanted to do is have a conversation with him about the transition he made from leaving his job. Okay. Mike is in that camp of, uh, you know, young entrepreneur, early thirties. And a lot of you that are listening to my podcast, you might be in that, that age demographic that you might want to leave a job and you might want to make that transition from your career or a path to a full-time entrepreneur. Sometimes when the ladder that you're climbing is leaning up against the wrong wall, it just doesn't matter how high you climb. It just still, you're going up the wrong wall. And that was the direction that Mike was going. And, you know, he had a very high paying job. If you guys know the story, he was a veterinarian. He had been doing that for well over 10 years when he decided he was going to make the transition away from being a vet into a um, full-time real estate investor, entrepreneur, stock hacker, trader, author. 
the list goes on and on of the depth that Mike is doing. So we get into and we have a wonderful conversation about making that transition from a full-time job into a full-time real estate investor. All right. So what I'm going to do with you for you guys as well is make sure you are subscribed to the podcast because this episode and then the one that's coming out after this is going to be almost like a two-part series. I bookended them and I made sure I bringing them out back to back that will help you transition if you are interested in transitioning from a job. So in this one, Mike is a young millennial, early 30s, and he's making the transition. The next episode is somebody who has a very high paying job and is maybe a little bit further 20 plus years into his career. And how did he make that transition with the family, wife, kids, $350,000 a year job? How did he make that transition? So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast to get the two episodes back to back. And then the last thing I want to say as well is make sure you stick around right to the very end. I have a couple um, insights and a couple resources that I can maybe share with you if you are considering to make this transition and you need some support and some help to make this transition away from maybe a job into a full-time career within the real estate investing, make sure you stick around right to the very end. Okay, let's get after it. Enjoy. All right, Michael Bug, how are you doing today, my brother? Mike, how are things? They're great, Russell. It's great to see you. Um, yes. I kind of messed up the scheduling after the, the time change, so you caught me out running, and so I ran back home to uh, jump on and catch up with you. Well, yeah, you're just you're just Mr. Ironman fitness guy here, aren't you, Mike? So, so, so first of all, um, your goal, what was your goal for 2021 was to do, was it five, kilometers in certain or 10 kilometers in a certain time what was the goal uh the goal is to run a 10 kilometer race in under 40 minutes under 40 minutes okay how are you yes. get are you getting close to it now oh no is the sh is the answer i mean i have put a lot of effort in um i took a crack at it in december and i was like 57 minutes like way away i haven't officially ran a race pace 10k um, I ran a 5K the other day, and if you extrapolate the numbers, I'd be around 47 minutes. So I've made lots of progress, but that was kind of the easy progress. Th this last, like shaving seven more minutes off, uh, it's going to take a lot of work. It's always the last uh, 10 percentile, which is probably the, the most difficult to do. But it is where it separates the, pardon the prairie punt, pardon the prairie saying here, it separates the wheat from the chaff, if you will. Yeah, I had set um, the end of May is the Sask Marathon. That's when I was going to, well, I'm still going to take a crack at it, uh, but my confidence is waning that I'm going to hit that. Um, so I'm going to have to bump the timeline out, I think. But that was the point of this, was set something that was really, really hard to accomplish. So, And you're getting closer, aren't you there? Right? Yeah. So Yeah. And, and I mean, or or sorry. No, go ahead, please. Well, I was going to say, like, honestly, when I set that goal, the whole intention was, who do you have to become to hit this goal, right? Like, I don't really care about my time running. Um, I care about the fact that it gets me out of the house. I have to get outside. I have to train. My nutrition has to be on point. Uh, Rosalie and Riley come with me on my Sunday runs down by the river. So that's what it's about. So I honestly don't care if it takes longer because I'm enjoying that. Wow, what a great question. Who do you need to become in the process in order to accomplish something? 
Sounds yeah. familiar almost there, my brother. Yeah, it maybe has a, <laughs> a ring to it. Uh, so actually, Mike, I have an entire long list of questions here for you. Um, I'm, I'm well prepared and I know I never gave the questions to you. So sometimes the off the cuff is the best. But my the most important question I'm going to ask you, this is the most important question, is how is Rosalie and Riley doing? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, they're doing well. Riley is growing like crazy. It is so fun. Uh, she's just past 18 months old, so we're playing outside all the time. Uh, Rosalie's also doing well, finding uh, her stride again. You know, I can't fully understand, uh, you know, being a man and and kind of uh, giving birth to a child and going through and, and raising them um, and, and running a business. So, I mean, it's amazing watching her, like the, the stuff she accomplishes is truly remarkable. Um, and seeing her grow, her business is growing. Um, so yeah, she's doing well. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I often joke an awful lot as if it was up to men to give birth to the, to our, our species, our species would have died a long time ago where men are mostly by, by and large, pretty wimpy when it comes to those kind of things. So I agree. Good. Well, give them both a big hug and a kiss from Kareen and us. Um, I know um, one of her favorite books was one of the ones that Kareen picked up. Do you guys still read that to her every every oh, so often? She's like, she wants to read like five to ten books a night. It is nuts. Like, it's awesome. So it's it's in the mix, you know, but we fire through like the whole pile almost every night. Very good. Well, that's the most important. So we can just, you know, mic drop. We're done. You know, podcast episode done. Okay. But, but I imagine the, the listeners are probably just saying, well, oh, come on, Ross, you just start. We haven't even got started. So, so Michael Buck, you are a three-time offender on my podcast. Um, and only because you offer such a tremendous amount of value. And um, I have some cool topics I want to jump into here today. So, so topic number one. So you're a three-time offender. I, guys, if you are on my podcast or watching on the YouTube channel, episode, I just I made sure I wrote them down, episode 11 and episode 42 are the two other episodes that Mike was on. Now, interesting to note, episode 42 was recorded before episode 11. And if you're a follower of my podcast, you'll understand why it came out in different order. But on there, on those two topics, so, so if you're interested in getting a little bit more of the backstory about who Mike is, you can check those out. But before I ask the first question about the Hopkins deal that we talked in episode 11 and 42, maybe give people a quick snapshot of who Michael Bug is and what you're all about. Maybe some of the vitals and the, some of the top line details. Okay. I'll keep it really short. Um, I would say I'm... Uh full-time real estate investor. Uh, my focus in that area is like lifestyle design, right? I look at how does real estate fit in my life? I am uh, a veterinarian, although I'm not currently practicing. Um, and in my time with you, Russell, that was when I had transitioned out of practice. And, and we were chatting before this, and it's I guess we're three years uh, since I officially left my, my day job. Um, a husband, Dad, you know those are those are the current uh, priorities and the most fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I spend my time doing. Well, it was interesting to note is you and I hadn't connected for a while, and uh, I was sitting there and I was on my way to a Costco trip, and I'm sitting there in the parking lot, and Mike and I were just connecting. It was probably two weeks ago, 
And I, <laughs> I was that guy in the Costco parking lot in a prime parking spot that was sitting there for like a half an hour and everybody was coming up behind me, sitting there giving me the evil eye about when I was going to leave. And I finally just said, Mike, we need to wrap up this conversation before I get killed because yeah. <laughs> people want this parking spot. That's um, as bad as the, the people that walk in Costco and stop to yeah. put their Costco card away. And it's yes. like, oh, just get out of the way. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the point of the story was you were just sharing with me all the things that were going on. And I'm just going, man, if we just, we just need to turn on the cameras and record this because there's a lot of cool stuff that's going on in your life and some transactions and just some amazing things. Okay. So here's what we're going to transfer into. Question number one. So if you if you go back and you check out my podcast, episode 11 and episode 42, you'll hear Mike talk about a vendor take back or talk about purchasing an apartment building. And that deal was called, it was Hopkins on Hopkins Avenue. Is it Avenue or Street? Saskatoon. Street. Hop, Street. Hopkins Street. Okay. Now, what we're going to do here today is we're actually going to tell the next chapter of that story. So you've bought the place, you had a vendor take back, and now you've gone through the refinance process. Talk to me mm -hmm. about where Hopkins is now sitting at for this story. Okay, so I would consider Hopkins now a stabilized asset in our portfolio. So we've refinanced it. We went through CMHC financing. So we have really good loan terms, um, you know, long, long-term financing in place. It is full, it's fully renovated, it's fully occupied. There are some minor tweaks we can make to the building, um, both in trying to increase revenue and in decreasing expenses, like from operational efficiency. But I would say like we're 95% of the way like stabilized. And so nice. now it just drops into the, the long-term holding portfolio and the plan is to you know just keep it humming along nice so in in ron popeil you know the term ron popeil if you know who ron popeil is no well no, if i, I said don't know this, if though. i said this term said it and forget it you would probably know what that is i know said it and forget it so um, ron, ron popeil is an old um infomercial guy and he was the person that invented that with that rotisseries the said it and forget it, right? So you're now in probably the set it and forget it a little bit. Path, yeah, right? yeah. And to and just to kind of play off that, you know, set it and forget it. As a real estate investor, I know we all dream of passive, right? Like money just comes into our account and someone's doing the work, but it's not us. I am definitely finding, even with third party property management in place, you cannot for set it and forget it, right? Like I don't have to go show the place. I'm not the one advertising and showing tenants, but I need to keep an eye on the statements. And to be completely honest, I had slacked off a bit there, right? There was, there's so much going on. I handed the property um, portfolio off and lost track of some of the statements. And now when you come back to it, it's like, wait a minute, we can tighten our operations, you know, in different expense categories. And what I'm in the Saskatoon market, you really need to do that because we've had the last five years, very similar uh, to Alberta, revenue has dropped, like rents dropped, but expenses didn't, right? Property taxes were rising, the cost of water, the cost of natural gas, um, those things have been, have been increasing. So your margin has been tightening, yep. right? We're starting to come out of that, right? Rents are turning the corner. They're starting to come up. 
Um, but I need to look at how can we get more efficient on the expense side. Nice. So, so maybe we'll have to create a new term as set it and forget it, but keep your eyes on it, if you will. Keep, 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 keep your finger on the pulse, if you will. Right. So great distinction. And guys, that's a huge lesson for a lot of people because a lot of people get into real estate investing and they buy something. It's even turnkey. They got a manager. They take their eye off the ball. And I'm, I'm pointing at myself right now, looking in a mirror. Uh, I've done that myself as you, you obfuscate, obfuscate, you, you don't have your, your full responsibility of keep managing the asset. You need to keep managing the asset after, even after it is stabilized and after you go forward. As a matter of fact, a lot of people say your job has just begun, to be honest, once you actually yeah. got it stabilized. Yeah. Okay. And, and sorry, go ahead. Rosie, Rosie and I were diving into this, like not just in real estate, all areas of business, personal life. And, and we were talking about this just on, I think, Monday night lying in bed. And the further, I know, pillow talk, hey, pillow talk. Um, The further you let that gap grow, the harder it is to close it. You know, like when you have frustrations in your life. So it's kind of that gap between expectations and reality, right? And you need communication to close that gap and keep it tight before it gets wide. Yeah. And and I know a lot of probably married couples are probably chuckling a little bit about that is sometimes that's the chance that you get to have is the conversations with your significant other is after everybody's gone to bed and you're just kind of sitting there on the pillow and you're just going to, so got something to talk to you about. <laughs> right? Not that I've yeah. had that before. Okay. So back to Hopkins. So um, quick, some quick diagnostics if people have not got, went to episode 11 and 42. What did you acquire that um, property for? How many units? Uh, it's 11 units. You're testing my memory because they yep. all blend together. It was a touch under a million. It was $9.75, I think, yep. was purchase price for 11 units. Um, so it was 89 something a door. Okay. Uh, 89 and change a door. How many of the units when you took it over had tenants in it? I think... Four. Don't four? exactly quote me. It was three or four. And I think one of them wasn't paying. So three paying tenants. Three paying tenants. So so he had a motivated potential seller. But interesting to note, he was motivated, but he wasn't motivated at the same time because it was free and clear and he was still cash, quote unquote, cash flowing. So did that give you a realization of the power of having a free and clear asset? Well, yes. I mean, there, the ability to survive in real estate if you have a free and clear asset, like you can ride out like this five years in Saskatoon market has been tough, you know, and for these, the the people that are free and clear or, or at least not highly levered, you have more staying power, you know, to yeah. stay in the game and keep paying the bills. And if we had anybody on Ontario on the line that maybe is listening, um, cash flow is the great equalizer that can absorb the ups and the downs and the sideways and stuff like that. And, you know, don't get me wrong, we're we're all in this to buy low, sell high and have speculation. But if you don't have the cash flow, you can't survive. Doesn't matter how high the price goes to, if you can't survive of the owning phase, it doesn't matter. You would just not ever realize that equity gain, will you? Yeah. And I mean, I have to thank you, Russell, for that because um you coached me through that a lot, like thinking of the downside. You know, because it's easy to be like, I'm going to lever this as high as it can. And real estate always goes up. And it's like, ah, no, it doesn't. Not always. Yeah. And, and my coaching, what was my coaching a little bit is, Mike, I've 
made a lot of mistakes. Don't do what I've done. And here's the mistakes I've made. So whatever I'm telling you, I did do the opposite. That was kind of, it was almost, I call it the Costanza model, right? The George Costanza, where you just do the opposite of what, yeah, yeah, so... Anyways, Russell's Russell don't do list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, or what's the old joke? One of my early mentors told me is, you know, sometimes you're you're put here to serve as a warning to others. <laughs> uh, I digress, but I have I actually have done a few good things too in my days, Mike. A few, few. Um, oh yes, they're few and far uh, between well, sometimes. Okay, so Hopkins. Ah, uh, thank you. Hopkins, just under a million. You had a, a substantial vendor take back on that property. Um, yep. you then got, um, a good friend of yours with Spruce Holmes, uh, Brad Blair. Um, I don't sure, I'm not sure Brad's a subscriber here, but he sh- probably should be. He did a lot of the work. Um, talk to me about the renovation process and then the refi process. Yeah. So the renovation process, uh, this was an interesting one because I think about five of the units or six of the units were were demo like demoed the the owner had ripped out the bathrooms uh you know done a lot of the demo work bought the materials right there was new flooring sitting there there was toilets there was showers there was vanities but he didn't put any of it back together so when we bought the building we needed someone to go through and kind of quickly get the units put back together so we could get them rented and that's where where Brad came in uh, they did a great job, like very fast, very efficient. Um, we kind of got to just knock through it. And this was right when COVID was coming on the scene. So we bought this building. I think we got possession in October 2019 and renovations were going and we finished them like, I think, February, March of 2000, or no, sorry, 2018 when we bought it, uh, February, March is when we finished right as COVID was starting. So Luckily, we got out of there in time. I, I fear COVID would have really slowed renovations down, right? Just with people and traffic through the building. Um, yeah. But we got it done. Nice. And then, so then the process after that was the reno, uh, the refi process. So talk to me about, and you went CMHC standard, you know, not standard, you CMHC financing on an apartment building. Talk to me about that process. Yeah. So this, uh, for full disclosure, this was my first time uh going through the process of CMHC financing. So I had talked to lots of people and I had an idea of what to expect, but I've never experienced it. So I used a broker. So what a broker does is they've they've done this hundreds of times. They basically hold your hand and say like, these are all the documents we need. You just get them to us. We'll compile your application for you and make your case to CMHC, then we'll shop the loan around and get you the best rate. So that made my life easier. That does come with a fee uh, to have a broker do that. The process, the the sort of shocking parts to me was it took a long time. Um, I don't remember exactly, but I think it was like at least six months. Um, And I I do know like there was some things that slowed that down in there, like COVID related. but yeah, so at least six months timeline, and it was more expensive uh, than I thought from a fee standpoint, <laughs> right? So you have your broker fee. Um, we went up to an 85% loan to value on this building, which was our choice. Um, and I knew they, they charge, I think it's four and a half percent fee. You don't, that doesn't come out of pocket, but it tacks onto the back end of your mortgage, right? So it's still there. Um we had already done the phase one environmental, the building inspection. Um, 
And more recently, they now require appraisals also I, for, for a unit or a building of this size. We were before that, so we didn't have that expense. But the expenses add up um, pretty quickly. Yeah, it's what's the old joke in the multifamily world. Everybody has their handout. Many and and when you're when you're talking to handouts, meaning everybody needs to get paid, which is great. You're happy to do it, but everything you almost add a zero to it with the cost of it. You know, environmentals, appraisals, inspections. It's not you're not just talking fifteen hundred. You're talking potentially a lot larger than that number, right? Okay, yeah. so um, if I remember correctly, so it was just around a mil. Let's call it a million bucks for the acquisition. And you had a vendor take back, I think it was about seven and a quarter, give or take. Yeah. yeah and then you had a, a partner that came in with the remainder. What was the partner in? Was it about 400 and change or what was the? They came about 300, give or take. Okay. And then what about the renovation costs? Uh, they were about 40,000, maybe 45 um, to do to do everything. That's it? Wow. Yes, because our, our but our purchase price included all materials on right. the premises, right? So we like in our purchase price, I also bought a bunch of showers and toilets and vanities and flooring, yeah. right? Like everything that was laying around, that all came with it. Okay, nice. Um, okay, so then you've refinanced and you went up to eighty five percent loan to value of the new asset valuation, and the new asset yeah. valuation was based upon the new rents that you your new NOI. Um, yeah. How much? How much was the new mortgage that you got? Uh, so the the loan value was nine seventy two, but then remember they go and they tack on that four point five percent. But on that loan value, eighty five percent loan to value, CMHC valued the building at about one point one four, with give, with some change on that. Okay, so. Of the 972, sorry, I, I'm trying not to make math too difficult because math ain't my strong suit. Um, so you got, did what did you net get back after the refi? Like, because you, you had to then pay out the vendor take back and then you were able to probably replay some of the investor capital at the same time. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. We got about 210 back. 210. Okay. So yeah. if I'm doing my math correct, so your investor is only into this potentially for like 90,000 bucks, give or take? Yeah. And um, I mean, that that's their choice. Um, where we're at right now is we're just discussing, you know, what's the next step. Um, and certainly if if they want that back and go do whatever they want to do, that's, that's cool. Um, or we may just roll forward and try find the next deal. Right. Nice. Well, I just ran a real quick calculation. So technically you're only into the property for like, seven or 8% of a down payment, give or take into the new asset valuation. Yeah. I was, I was really hoping it was going to be like a perfect burr, right? That's, that's honestly what I was hoping for. Um, the valuation came in a touch lighter than I thought it would. Um, I think maybe they were a touch conservative because it was all the COVID fear. Um, at at the end of the day, I'm really happy with the building because it is a concrete building, good location, it's going to be a, a really strong long-term asset. Yeah. All right. So is it how now, remember when you bought it, it was, you know, more than half empty and now it's all full. How's it performing? And I would imagine you got a really nice interest rate on your mortgage too. Yeah. Our interest uh, rate was 1.82. 
So we didn't hit the bottom, right? Like if we were, we, if we were timed it a little bit better, I think I heard of some even at like 1.6, but I'm not going to complain about 1.82. So what, uh, what kind of ballpark cash flow are you getting out of that 11 unit property right now? Per month? It's a rep, it's around, and this is a rough number. It's around the 1500, uh, cash flow mark. Um, so I think we're sitting like 125, 150 a unit, um, I do anticipate that's going to improve because we're just starting to see rents in this asset class starting to turn. Yep. Um, so I think we're going to be able to start raising rents. Uh, like I said, our expenses have all gone up. But so once we can start to raise our rents, that is going to be like straight profit, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. here's the thing is, you know, cash flow isn't great yet. But you're just now starting to operation increase cash flow, but you're into it for next almost next to nothing. You've got a great long term asset. All the renovations are done. Now you're just going to start optimizing cash flow. And that number will start slowly creeping up from say 125 to 150 a door to potentially 200 a door within a year or yeah. two. Nice. Congratulations, yeah. Mike. This that's an awesome deal. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. I'm really happy with it. I you know if, if these just Felt like if I could find these all the time, I would do them over and over and over. All right. So uh, what are you doing, Mike, to be able to get more of these? Where were you in, in our conversation? I was actually a little surprised that you'd done a little pivot uh, in your acquisition strategy. So what's what's the next acquisition you're doing? And yeah, when I so, say pleasantly surprised in one respect, but I was surprised you went this direction. Yeah. So our, our current uh, deals that we're working on um, are an eight plex and a 12 plex in uh, North Battleford, which uh, for listeners that maybe don't know Saskatchewan, it's about 130 kilometers west of Saskatoon, just along Highway 16. So definitely a much smaller market. Uh, you know, population base is closer to that like 15,000 as opposed to Saskatoon, which is like 300,000. Yeah. Um, so much smaller market. And and for some of those of you that maybe are Americans or or whatever listening to this is Saskatchewan, it's um, difficult to spell but easy to draw. Sorry, yeah. I digress. Big I guess big, big I guess uh, yeah, exactly. I have to be careful of my I guess our Saskatchewan humor a little bit. <laughs> All right, so so you know you pivoted into North Battleford, okay? Um, the and, one and thing so, I was, and, so, and sorry, oh, just to clarify, it's like. Not necessarily a pivot. I'm still full steam ahead in Saskatoon. I'm I'm going to call this like a bolt on, right? You know, like Saskatoon is still a primary focus. Uh, the North Battleford plays are just ancillary to like complement the Saskatoon plays. Brilliant, absolutely. And and um, what was your thought process of going into a smaller market? And what are you buying in North Battleford? Because I was surprised about the the. Um the, the numbers and the price points that you were picking these up at. Yeah. So, I mean, in a word, the reason is cash flow. Um, the, the, I just went through some of the numbers in Saskatoon and it is very difficult to get like a huge cash flow. I, I really feel like I, I'm, I'm active in the real estate community. I watch lots of p different people's content I think that cash flow is almost a myth on high levered product in large markets, right? Like there's a lot of misinformation, I think, out there that when you actually drill down and count every single expense, what your real cash flow is, 
when you're highly levered, it's pretty thin. Yeah. Right. And so, um, so go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Or, well, so that's the that's the entire reason of of adding on a market like North Battleford, because we instantly shoot up to to double digit cap rates, yeah. right? So cash flow is just way higher. Well, sorry for that myth. I have a I have a couple of unicorns in Edmonton. I guess then we are one hundred percent finance, and we are generating cash flow out of my new turnkey properties, right? So. Yeah. But don't get me wrong, on my older deferred maintenance townhomes, it's, let's put it this way, every dollar that my new stuff makes, it goes into my older stuff. And so it is 100% not cash flowing. But the good news is if you start repositioning old, getting some new, scaling back, paying down, it just, you can, there's, it's like a chess game, right? And, and this is an analogy I use all the time is guys, are we playing checkers or are we playing chess? Um, the ones that become a master chess player of the pieces on the board, no different than what you just described there is you're, you're playing a game of chess is in order to augment your Saskatoon properties, you're picking up some assets in North Battleford that are just pure cash flow plays. And you never know, they might go up in value significantly, but the intention is for cash flow. Okay. Um, what's the numbers and what are the cash flows looking like, Mike? Oh, so I, I I don't have them all in front of me, but so our latest deals that we're purchasing, yep. um, we just bought a 12 plex. I'm just calculating quick. Like we're around that, that one was 55 a door. That was our highest purchase. We bought two eight plexes about a year or so ago, closer to 42,000 a door. Um, the eight plex that we currently have under contract is back at 40,000 a door. Um, so less than half of Saskatoon, in essence. Yes, and for for comparable rents, like relatively speaking. So I'll use the the one eightplex that we have stabilized. We pick those up for about forty two thousand a door. Uh, it's a mix of ones and twos. The ones rent for about seven fifty. The twos rent for eight fifty. So total building income sixty four hundred. Uh, I'm sure most of your listeners have heard of like the one percent rule. In re- in real estate, uh, in that North Battleford market, you're close to a two percent. You're like a one point seven five, um, so a totally different sort of ratios. Yeah, but but you need to have those higher ratios in order for you to take on a little extra risk because it is it would be would it be considered a little more of a risky play? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So you you had already touched on it, um, the intent intention the intention is strictly cash flow i don't have aggressive models that these buildings are going to skyrocket in value right this is not an appreciation play like if they if they go up and i hope they will cuz we bought them very well but it's not like the roof is going to blow off these and they're going to double in value right so it's it's a cash flow play and in these markets uh different tenant profiles um, different, you know, budgets that you need to put in place for for maintenance and expenses and repairs and vacancies. Um, so you know, your expenses can be a bit higher too. So yes, yeah. totally. And then you had also method. mentioned on the Costco conversation in the parking lot that you 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 guys actually had an opportunity to go a little bit higher levered, but you guys chose or you chose maybe uh, I'm not gonna you chose to go a little lower loan to value on them just to have that extra buffer. Yeah. And again, this is because uh, certainly things are starting to shift in my world. Um, you know, three years ago, 
peer growth, just push everything forward, accumulation. Now, as my portfolio grows and Rosalie and I's net worth grows, you have to look at it holistically. Like you have to, you can't just play offense, right? You have to, you have to play some defense. So we have Saskatoon properties at 85% loan to value. I want other properties at lower loan to values to balance that portfolio out. And the North Battleford market can support that, right? So we can go like 75% loan to value and even tighten the amortization, like 20 years amortization, and they still cash flow very well. Yeah. So it's a balancing game. Wow. Um, Mike, I, I, you probably noticed I was having a nice little smirk when you were talking there. It's just <laughs> like you're talking like with all this wisdom here. It's like, it's like I'm talking to a person who's like 40, 50 years in the business here. Yeah, but you've, you know, don't let your youthful good looks deceive you. How long have you been in doing real estate for now, Mike? Um, I, I say 2012, because that's when we bought our first rental. We, we played in the uh, fix and flip renovation games in 2010, but I don't really count that. So rentals since 2012. So about a decade now, coming on pretty close, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. some, just some killer insights. Like I, I see that there's a lot, you've now crossed over what I consider once that decade you're now at the next table to sit at with the people that have the 15 and 20 year experience. You've now crossed over that because there's an awful lot of people that have, you know, five or yes, less years experience. There's a lot of people with the seven or eight. And then, but then once you cross over like that decade, you now can sit at the next table, if you will, you've yeah. earned the right for, to sit at the next table with, with some people. Right. Yeah. I have two, two comments on that. One yeah. is for me, I feel like I get to uh, come sit at the grown-ups table once I've experienced a full real estate cycle. And I haven't quite yet, because I would say I entered real estate during boom in Saskatoon, right? And I got to experience slump, a lot of slump um, into recovery. But until we complete that cycle, you know, I haven't lived through every phase. So I, I still, am, still am at the kids' table in that respect. Um, and then number two, what you said about having some wisdom, I'm kind of pulling from my, my veterinary days here. One thing that always blew my mind as a veterinarian. So I, in, in my vet career, I, I had a, a decade of experience there. Um, I knew what I was doing when, when a case came through the door. And every once in a while, you'd get a client that comes in and you'd run all the tests and you'd give them the diagnosis and you'd give them the recommendation and they wouldn't do it. And you would sit there and you'd be like, I just, I'm flabbergasted because you paid me to get 10 years of experience and like doctor level advice. And then you didn't take it. And that always has blown my mind. So the wisdom piece is just taking that, you know, and following guys like you. And when you tell me something from 20 plus years of experience, I just listen to it. Yeah. You know, you I are, don't, don't know better. Well, let's put it this way. You're one of the most coachable people I know. Um, there's a lot of people that, and sometimes, you know, coachable, sometimes it's almost like a, not say a fight, but there's, it's not an, an, an argument. It's just like, but here's the thing is part of my style is never to, I would never tell you what you should do 
ever. I would actually rather you ask a lot of, I would give you lots of questions asked, lots of insight, lots of things to look at. But my goal out of all the work that we did was for you to make the decision what was right for you, because then you take responsibility and accountability to the decision and the decision you make, you'll execute against more than me mandating something to you. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. so that's just part of the style and, you know, and maybe now that we're, you know, not weekly coaching anymore, I can tell you a little bit of some of the things I was doing with you while after the fact now, but you probably got kind of the style of what we were doing. But, but my point I'm trying to say is you're just one of the most coachable people I've ever met. And you're like a dream to, to work with because it was like, got it, got it, done it next week. Did it, didn't do it. Oh, why didn't you do it? Oh, I sucked. Okay, I'm going to get better. Got it, done it, done it, done it, done it. Check, check. Didn't do this, didn't do this. I need a break, Russ. Leave me alone. Okay, no problem. Got it, got it, done it. Right. It was, it was, it was a, it was a wonderful give and take relationship. So, um, but I think Mr. Mr. Bug, you're like just taking things so far to the other level and stream. So, okay. So I'm going to, Close the loop on North Battleford story. So you're buying them for like forty to fifty to sixty thousand a door. Rents are similar to Saskatoon. What kind of cash flow are you getting per door ballpark on the North Battleford properties? So I'm gonna have to extrapolate a little bit because yep. they all need to be stabilized, right? The, like that's part of the value creation. Um, like the the aplex that we're gonna be closing on will need renovations. Um, the aplexes that we had already bought were very under rented. Um, so I don't know the exact number. It's going to be um, higher than the Saskatoon stuff for yeah. sure. Like so a couple hundred a door. A better question would be is after it's stabilized, when it's in the same comparison, it's going to be a couple hundred. Is that your best assessment? Yeah, at least. And then like you, in that market, I'm going to want to save more buffer for maintenance and vacancy, but it'll be around there. Yeah, nice. So essentially you're just using North Battleford to augment the Saskatoon, but you're not stopping with what you're looking for in Saskatoon at the same time. Ex yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm starting to look at other markets too, other larger markets, like larger than Saskatoon, because um, that's really the game I wanna be playing, right? Is larger like buildings in larger markets. Um, the North Battleford thing is is that extra cash flow, and honestly, it even helps supplement like operations, right? Because you have all that cash flow spitting out. It's going to buy more properties in other markets. Yep. Nice. Awesome. Okay. Now, Mike, I'm going to transition the conversation here a little bit into a couple other projects that you're doing that might not be on the surface. It might not be real estate, but it comes back to real estate. And and you know what, Mike? Real estate investors sometimes have other interests other than just real estate inv investing. Did you know that? They do? Yes. I didn't just, know that. It's a, that's our secret, just as an FYI. Okay. So okay. Um, maybe a couple passion projects that you're doing. Um, you've started a podcast um, with your good friend out of Calgary, Johnny. Um, yeah. Everyone's going, oh, another, the listener's going, oh, no, another real estate investing podcast. What is the name of this real estate investing podcast for me to get more real estate investing information? Talk to me about this podcast that you just launched with your good friend, Johnny. Yeah. So uh, it's called The Veterinary Project. Uh, hey, so Mike, as you can... Mike that's, that's nothing to do with real estate, is it? Uh, it's The Veterinary Project for Real Estate Investors. Okay, so. there. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So nothing 
again, on the surface, nothing to do with real estate. Um, I will be throwing in little bits of real estate nuggets into that. Uh, but what the Veterinary Project is, uh, is a podcast, and it's kind of the hub of a community for veterinarians and veterinary professionals. And the, the whole reason for this being is, is, Russell, you know, like my story, my journey, my transition. And as I was going through my career as a veterinarian, and I was buying real estate, and I was working part-time, and then ultimately not working as a veterinarian, and I would have conversations with other veterinarians, they would be like, I'm really struggling. How did you do that? Right? And at, at the time, I couldn't see it because I was struggling. But once I got out of it and the fog kind of lifted, um, it was this huge sort of desire to want to give back and help in that community. So really, the whole point of the podcast is all about veterinarians living intentional, purposeful lives. So we don't talk about medicine. We don't talk about surgery. We just talk about life as a veterinarian. And you know whatever that means, personal finance, uh, mindset, soul set, personal development, real estate investing, anything to, to accomplish that goal. Right. So it's kind of a, it's, it's a fulfillment project and it's a purpose. It's, you know, a lot of, I've, I've said this multiple times is sometimes the biggest crisis we have is not uh, uh, pandemics and stuff like that. I think we have a crisis of purpose that not enough people have a purpose of what will keep them up at night, get them up early in the morning, doing projects that just are purposeful projects to have that. But, you know, here's the thing. We need to have some profit in order to have some purpose projects at the same time. So how long has it been since you launched the podcast and what has been some of the results that have come from that to date? Yeah, we're coming up on a year in July. So I think we're on, I don't know if we're on like episode 40-ish, give or take. So we do a weekly weekly release. Jonathan and I purposefully set the intention when we started that we have no expectation of return of any sort for at least the first year. It was like, let's just give value. Let's have an impact on people. We're going to lift our head up in a year and see see what kind of mess we've created and see where we can take it. Yep. Out of that, some just the coolest conversations you could ever imagine of people reaching out, some just reaching out to say, hey, thanks. This is having a huge impact on my life. But then also a lot of other people reaching out for opportunities like, hey, would you guys like to join us in this project? Or what do you think about this, this kind of business? So behind the scenes, sort of unintendedly, I mean, we're having some very cool conversations. And who knows where that'll go? Right now, we're just open to seeing where they lead. Yeah. And you've had some invitations to speak at some forums, some financial forums, some education. You know, you're coming out as a de facto um, knowledgeable influencer within the space of real estate, uh, within the space of, uh, sorry, I, I, we do have lives outside of real estate investing in the space of veterinarians, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, sorry for saying this, is one of your avatars for who your investment partners are, are people with veterinarian practices, correct? So it, it helps business out at the same time. But you don't have, you're not attaching to that expectation, are you? No. Yeah. No attachments. And 
that was something it, it kind of just sort of happens, right? Even when we were working together, my my conversations around raising capital just seem to be with veterinarians because that's who I can relate to. We have affinity. They know me. Hopefully they like me and trust me. Otherwise we wouldn't be chatting. And so this is kind of just a way to magnify my message out to that audience that seems to be responding to it anyway. Um, you know, and like the the North Battleford deals that we're closing on, I had to raise capital for those. 100% of the funds is coming from the veterinary space. Wow. So it's been, yeah. you know, I know you didn't have the intention, but it's been it's been okay for business at the same time of putting that out, correct? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So cool. So, but I was actually surprised to hear, um, and not this is not a pivot, but I was I was surprised, but I did know it a little bit when we were working, but you hadn't started it yet, that you actually have your have a book on the works too. Like what's what's the book about? And you're writing a book and 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 you're 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 telling me that's quite the painful process a little bit. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I mean a book to be honest, is something I've always wanted to do. Like, I don't know when I first had the idea. I was like, man, it'd be really cool to write a book. Um, and I, I had it I, on, to the to the side of me. I have a giant wall of ideas and brainstorming and I have write a book on there. And I would stare at it and stare at it. And then finally, I was like, just do it. Like, how long are you going to stare at this thing for? So I was like, okay, I'm doing it. Um, I started, I think I were, we've come up to one year. So it's it's dragging a little longer than it should be. Um, the book is for the veterinary community. Again, I'm not going to say the title. I'm going to save that. Um, but basically the premise of it is my journey through my veterinary career, like over 10 years, and then drawing on the different challenges that veterinarians face, and then the personal development uh, work that I've done that can help you navigate that challenge. And so it, it and it goes in a progression of what you'll experience as a new grad, and then once you've been out for a few years, and then once you've been out for like eight, nine, ten years. Um, so the first two thirds is probably personal development as it relates to veterinarians, and then the last third shifts into finance and investing. And so that's where you're going to see some re real estate investing come in um, for how veterinarians and and really I'm saying veterinarians it applies to everyone how they can use investing to, to just magnify their life, right? Like live more purposeful, live more intentional. And how, when you get that finance piece nailed down, it's also going to improve all those other areas of your life. So that's kind of the flow of the book and, and what I'm trying to, to put out. Okay. So, um, <laughs> good coach that I am, Michael. And, um, I know how good you are at being coachable and being accountable. When is the book going to be finished? And when is the when can we put in our calendars to sit there and say, Michael Bug, is what's the book, where it is, and when can I buy it? Okay, live coaching. Live uh, I don't, well, hey, I don't sorry. So it's easy. So yeah. so guys, so if you're watching or listening to this, it's really easy to be the person being the coach who's getting oh mike i'm gonna hold you accountable to this and get this done but i have i have no skin in the game it's easy for me to do that right but i'm not the one doing the work so but i i want to help you mike if if it yeah. if it needs to get over the goal line do you need a little bit of some positive pressure of uh, a deadline and everybody to mark in their calendars when they're going to send you a note and ask for if it's ready do you need that or 
or do I have well, to just no. back away? <laughs> no, it's all good. So this is, I, I, I'll keep this tight because I don't want to chew too much time rambling on it. So I do quarterly reviews and we just finished Q1 uh, 2021. And I had this goal. I had get my book to content edit and I missed it. So I reevaluated. Um, and I, I just this week set like with the person I'm working with, when all the chapters will be done to have the book to content edit. Now, so I don't have an exact date for sure. 2021 fall 2021 seems reasonable. I still don't know all the steps because I'm working with a company that takes me through the process. So they're going to do uh, the content edit and the like grammar edit and the help me with cover design and all that. And I don't know how long that takes, um, but for sure, fall 2021, some date in there. Um, okay. You can Hang expect on. It. Per- with precision comes better results. Uh, are we talking September, October or November or December? Not September harvest. Not, Let's not say September. October. I, I, I would like October. Let's go October. October. Okay. Uh, what day in October? Oh, man. I don't, I'm not looking at a calendar. Let's go uh, the 21st. Halloween? Why don't we do Halloween? 31st. Sure. Sure. What time? I, and I'm leaving. What, what, I'm time, leaving. what time do I put in my calendar to call you? Call me at 12 noon. Noon. October 31st. Halloween 2021. And to be precise, it's going to be book is out of your hands it's in it's in final proofreading or is it going to be going to publish what's the, oh what's yeah the, at, that, at that point i hope that it's like it's published and like there's a copy in my i hope you have a signed copy waiting for pickup in your mailbox okay so is that the deliverable october 31st at noon uh signed you're signing my copy Oh, absolutely. So just- yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the reason for my in, raise in inflection is if the book uh, company I'm working with says, hey, you should really launch this on this date, I, I'll probably take their advice. But I want all of my work to be done by then. Okay. Well, but I here, here guys, so here's a here's a teachable moment for everybody. It's okay if we come back and we communicate that the timelines are going to change. But the step number one is you get to make a really definitive stake in the ground of when it's going to be done. And then you're going to do everything you humanly possibly can do it. But you and I are going to have some conversations along the way. And I'm going to, I'm going to put in my calendar, October 31st at yeah. noon, check in with Mike, where's my book? Yeah. And, um, and you, go ahead. Well, you've probably noticed uh, Mondays with Mike have kind of dropped off uh, on my, my YXE Facebook page. I was doing uh, weekly Mondays with Mike. And looking at just what was on my plate, it it was too much. Uh, Like with the podcast, trying to write a book, and I still have to keep buying real estate because that's how I drive drive income, drive net worth for our family. And so something had to start falling off. And to be honest, the, the message that I communicate on my Veterinary Project podcast and what I'm pouring into the book uh, is more aligned with me. Like I love real estate. Um, but I, what I really love about real estate is what it does for your life. Right. And so my Mondays with Mike were sometimes, um, more tactical tips, right? Like, Oh, you should go clean your gutters because that's what you should do. And it's like, I like communicating more to the audience that wants to know what is real estate going to do for my life? Not how do I do real estate? 
Yep. And, and, you know, sorry for coaching again, but maybe you were, you're overthinking it. Like, uh, maybe you're overthinking. And, and, and the reason I say that is because that's what I do is I overthink that I have to have such a grandiose message. Like who would want to watch something if I just actually just gave them an update. I'm telling you, I would love to watch a Monday with Mike and all you, if you're just telling us is how is the project in North Battleford going? What did you do in Hopkins? Here's my stock trading account. And here's the book writing process. If you just did those four things and it was seven minutes and you didn't have to overthink it, Mike, I would love to see that. Right. But remember, I'm not the one doing it. I'm not the one turning the phone on and doing that work. So um, see if it fits in with your life, because there are people in your life, if they're watching this and maybe they're seeing that they go, yeah, I do miss Mondays with Mike. Yeah. So, and sorry, I'm going, I'm loving this conversation. We're going on so many tangents. Um, I had a little breakthrough on that because I think I'm going to restart them on a, maybe more of a monthly basis. And then once the book is wrapped up, get back to my weekly. Um, but I had a breakthrough around validation and exactly what you just said, you know, you're about to turn on the camera and you're in your head. Um, you know, and you're like, well, did, does anyone even like that? Did it get any likes? Did it get any comments? Um, and the breakthrough was kind of just honoring my message and trusting it like that. I'm coming from a very pure intentional place and letting go of needing to see that feedback. Right. And, and pe- like that dopamine hit when someone like likes your post, you know, just letting go of it and being true to my message. Yep. Um, cause, cause that gets in your head a lot. Uh, well, what did I hear the other day? I thought it really resonated. It was, I think it was a Joe Rogan. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing myself to Joe Rogan or anything, but sometimes we get in our head of when we post something or send out an email or put something out and we're so worried about what people are going to comment and maybe that somebody's going to have a negative comment and somebody's going to poo-poo on it and everybody's going to be upset with it. And somebody asked the question of Joe Rogan, what he does. And he says, my mandate is post and ghost. He goes, I post it and I don't look at it ever again. Now, I know when you have millions and millions of followers, you, you can't, um, but it was actually quite resonated as post and ghost in many respects as you put it out there. And if somebody doesn't like it, eh, no problem. It's on them, right? I'm just sharing my process and I'm sharing with yeah. what I've learned. I'm sharing a conversation I just had with somebody. If you don't like it, tune it out, right? No problem. Right. I like that. Post and ghost. All right. So, but at the same time, there are some people, there are definitely some people that, you know, would consider that are very uh, loyal people that want to see it, that post all the time, definitely engage with them too. Like that is a wonderful um, thing. Now, interesting to note, Mike, we were, we were having this um, conversation before we got started and we were trying to pinpoint the date when you left your career. Um, do you remember what date was it? It was July of 2018. I believe it was July 17th, a Tuesday of 2018. Okay. So you left a 10 year career as a veterinary, a doctor of veterinary medicine. And, um, that is a real doctor as (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make fun or any of that kind of stuff, but it is definitely, uh, you had to do some serious schooling and some serious training and you have, in some cases, the responsibility of people's pets is almost as much responsibility as a family member. And I know in our case, um, our pet is a family member. Um, but you hung up the stethoscope in, in that time frame. 
What would be some, and I know this could be an entire podcast episode in and of itself, but I bet there are some people that are listening here today or watching that are just going, I want to, I'm feeling the gold, the handcuffs, and I would like to potentially walk away. What was the process you went through in order to make this decision for yourself? And what could you offer to somebody else who's maybe thinking about this process as well? Yeah, this is a deep question. Um, okay, let's try to unpack it. There's going to be sort of two buckets, I think, here. Um, I'm going to call one mindset, and I'm going to then I also want to offer just tactical, real, actionable advice. Um, the first in the mindset bucket around identity. And uh, this, this is maybe magnified for a veterinarian, it depends what career you're coming from, but your identity that you attach around the work that you do. So, you know, I'm a veterinarian and everyone knew me as a veterinarian. I was on the radio in Saskatoon. I was in a cat calendar in Saskatoon. And it's like, that's what people, how they see you. I know. And it's like, Mike is a veterinarian and you are so attached to that. And so to let go of that, um, you know, and separate and be like, no, I'm Mike. And I also do other things. I'm not just a veterinarian. And the approval of others around that, right? Like your parents, um, your friends, your family members, everyone in your circle, um, letting go of whether they like this decision or not. Was the uh, calendar, I can't, sorry, I can't get past the, the cat calendar. Was it Mr. Meow? Uh, it was it, it was for charity. So it was very tasteful. Uh, it was for uh, a, a, a cat rescue. You had your shirt on, right? Yeah, shirt was on. Shirt was uh, on. Uh, sorry, so that all, uh, you lost me after cat calendar there. By the way, <laughs> so, I, I saw I saw that, uh, but but I one hundred percent agree that, and I work with people all day long on the, making this transition, and identity is one of the hard things. Is what are the neighbors going to think if I'm at home? What is you know my how are my kids going to view? this when I'm when I'm sitting there and maybe I'm at home office and I'm not going to an office. Um, that identity is a big one. Um, what yeah. what was kind of some of the process that you went through in order to really bust through that? Well, I mean, I, I just have to be totally honest because that was my process is it it was things had to get fairly bad, right? And this is when I was working with you just from uh this was when the moniker uh, miserable Mike was born, right? When Rosalie said to, you know, Mike, you're not the happy go lucky guy that everyone knows you as like when you get home from work, you're miserable Mike. Um, so for me, the process was getting into that, that level where I was like, man, things have to change. Like, I just don't want to live the rest of my life this way. And so it was from pain, kind of from desperation for me that, that was the motivation to, to move forward. And then the big hurdle I had to clear other than identity was confidence, right? And that, that is the, the biggest thing I would say by far was having the confidence to just, you know, decide. And honestly, once I decided, I remember I, we typed up the resi- resignation letter and handed it in. It was just like, boom, all the weight dispersed because yeah. I had decided. Well, and and I'm going to let's unpack that a little bit more. It's one of the things I told you at the time, there was going to be two things that were going to happen that were going to be the impetus for you to leave. It was either going to be inspiration or desperation. And 
which one did I tell you would probably be the one that would come? I'm assuming you said desperation. But. Yes, obviously, because that's where most people yeah. will make changes based upon the desperation as opposed to the inspiration. So if any of you are out there thinking about making a transition from a career or a job into wanting to, whether it's full-time in real estate or a YouTube star, or a podcast star, all the podcasting and riches, if you will, I, I, I use that with a big smile on my face when I say that, um, is typically... You know, we all want the inspiration moment. We've got the plan. We know exactly what it is. We got the budget. And once we hit this level and we hit this level, then we're we're ready to rock and roll and kumbaya and everything's unicorns and butterfly farts, right? But normally that just doesn't happen. What was your desperation moment that happened, Mike? That was kind of that the next day we had a conversation and I made you write a resignation letter. What was that moment? Yeah, the, the moment was uh, a cat peeing on my face. Uh, th that, that was the straw, which is, you know, it's kind of funny because as a veterinarian, uh, you get, you have all sorts of bodily fluids hit you on any given day, but it was just the straw that, you know, broke the camel's back, I guess. Um, the cat that came in and was just fractious and trying to rip everyone's face off. And I believe one of the girls I was working with kind of had a hold of them and it turned and I just got soaked. And Cat pee is one of the worst things ever uh, to be uh, soaked in. Uh, Mike, I'll, I'll, myself and the listeners will take your word for that one. Okay, just <laughs> as an well, FYI. Yeah. yeah, but but uh, you know, let's let's continue that that conversation. So obviously, you had that moment, and it was just like, and we literally had a call the next day, and it was like, Mike, when is the day? And I we wouldn't leave the conversation until you picked a day. And then we also, you wrote a resignation letter and then everything magically got better after that. Did it not? Like number one, it, your mindset, you got a little clearer, you got a little bit, you felt the weight off your shoulders, but it actually didn't instantly get better. Did it not? No, it's a process, but it was, it was very nice to decide. And I remember that coaching call vividly. Uh, I screenshotted it and I pinned it on my bulletin board because I was looking down like doing whatever I was doing. And I looked up and you were screen sharing and you had put three days, just random days. And you said, pick one. And I, and I picked one. I just, I, you know, and then we were like, that is the day. And we we're like, okay, perfect. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you're, you're blaming me, are you for all this? <laughs> all I'm the, all the you. Yeah, I'm teasing. I'm teasing, you know? So, okay. So if somebody is, so identity was one. Um, you have to really go through that identity. And then maybe you have to have that moment where the proverbial straw that broke the breaks the camel's back. Then what would you advise somebody as the next step after that? So you've kind of done the identity. You've done some core deep work. You maybe done some soul work. Maybe you've had a conversation with our good friend, Mr. Phil McKernan. Maybe you've had a conversation with somebody who's been through, maybe reached out to Mike or myself or whatever. Then you had the moment. And then what was kind of the next step after that? Yeah. So, it, I mean, if we're shifting tactically, um, I would say th this was a step I had done way before that, but I would access all the lines of credit you can. I, I wouldn't go and use them, but I would have access to them. I would start setting that up while in Canada you have T4 income. When you can walk into a bank with your T4 slips and be like, hey, I have a, I have a good, strong employment record. I'd like a line of credit get those opened up, open some safety nets for yourself. 
because you'll just have them, just know they're in place. So that would be like one of my first tactical tips. Um, Next in line is, and and, and sorry, this this one maybe blends uh, mindset and tactical. I would spend some time on your why. So when we're coming into real estate investing, you really need to know why you're doing it. Um, You know, do you really love designing and fixing and flipping properties? Or are you doing it just straight for the income? And doing it for the income, it doesn't mean it's bad, but just know, like, is this a means to an end or do I love doing this? And you may have to try a few things out to figure out what you want. The reason I'm saying that is I know that I don't love property management. And I know that someday I want to outsource it. If I buy properties that don't have enough like margin in them, for me to bring on a property management company, I've trapped myself, right? Where I might be stuck managing that to keep the property afloat. So that's where like kind of begin with the end in mind, figure out your plan, figure out your why. And then I would have like an income plan. Like how are you actually going to put groceries on the table? You know, for me, I'm very fortunate. You, We opened this talking about Rosalie. Um, the support system that I had to leave my job was phenomenal. Like straight up, I would not have been able to do it when I did it without Rosalie. Yeah. You know? She's an amazing woman. Um, so so really, and I remember that as we actually just sat there and we almost Venn diagrammed it where we do the where we were doing whiteboarding virtually and we drew out all the different income sources and we just really unpacked what is the opportunity and we just did a deep dive brainstorm session and then you cross things out that just didn't resonate didn't want to do didn't want to do one investigate look at this then we gave you some time to really investigate looking into further some of these things and then you came up with a plan and um, also at the same time you know a little bit of stock market trading and some option trading and things like that also came into your life as well for cash flow but you knew your plan and you bought properties that supported your plan as opposed to taking you away from your plan. Would that be a fair Absolutely. assessment? Yeah. Well, it's funny. Absolutely. I just had a, I had a conversation with a person last night and he was talking about he was buying, you know, condos in a certain marketplace. And after we got through it and he told me his dream was to be able to walk the kids home from school and play soccer with the kids every day. And I said, tell me how those properties are performing. And they were like $600,000 condos that is getting maybe $1,800 rent. And I said, you know, I don't even have to pull a calculator out. I know that at best, you're negative at best. And he goes, no, 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 they're positive cash flow. And I go, well, I'm not going to argue. But I've been around the block a few times that those would be negative. Those would eat you alive over a course of time. And the only way he was making money on it was on the speculation of things. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Don't get me wrong. Speculation is wonderful. And but you can't count on it all the time. And I said, if you have a whole bunch of those $600,000 condos that are negative cash flow, is that getting you closer to spending every day with your kids or is it moving you further away if they're negative cash flow? And he said, well obviously it's moving me further away. And I said, well maybe we need to adjust your pivot of what you're looking at at the same time because mm-hmm. we need to have your investments support what you're doing, not take away with what you're doing, because you're going to have to work longer and harder and you're never going to be able to get away from those handcuffs. Right? Yeah, so. absolutely. And and on that note, 
I mean, when you're starting out, maybe it's a bit different because you you may have more time and less uh, financial resources. But I know for me now, time is almost my number one metric. Like, what will this project cost me for my time? Because it it's limited. And if I'm if I'm at a project, I'm not playing in the park with Riley. And it's exactly what you said. It's like, who do I want to be? And you have to make decisions that align with that. Yeah. Now, holy moly, we could um, we could go on and on and on. I think there's another probably four or five podcasts that we can come from here as well. So, so Mike, um, appreciate the little the little update on what's going on in your world. World, we're like yeah. just a little over an hour here, um, guys. If you can do me a favor, um, if you got some value from this, which I know you did. Um, you're, you're, you're listening to somebody who's just a shining star in the community, just somebody who's got a wisdom beyond his years, somebody who just is a leader amongst leaders. And even though he'll say he's not, he is okay. Um, if you got some value, leave us some feedback, leave a review, but most importantly, share this message. Share it with somebody who maybe you're having a conversation with, and maybe they're feeling the shackles of the job, and maybe this will be a really good starting point of a conversation for them to have about listening to this and then taking the next deep dive. I also have coming up very shortly, um, both of a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Jamie Gruber, who just announced leaving a 21-year career in, in his 40s. And maybe that will resonate more with people. And I'm going to walk with Jamie and I'm going to walk through the transition he went through to do something in his 40s of doing this. And he'd been there 20 years, not just somebody in his 30s that's only been doing it for 10 years. Similar process, but, you know, when the runway gets a little shorter, um, the missteps get bigger, if you will. Right. So long winded winded way of saying, Mike, I'm I'm honored to know you. Um, I see the man who you become on a daily basis. I see the father who you become, and I see the husband who you are. And that's not just by accident. That's by you every single day, putting in the reps, doing the work. But it also is something that comes from within, and it comes out within you every time I get a chance to see you. And I'm honored to know you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Russell. I mean, likewise, I'm yeah, so happy. Um, I think we met like the first time we met, I'd heard you on podcast forever was in Edmonton at, at an event. Um, so yeah, very honored to know you really happy. I, uh, came up and talked to you. I was super nervous the first time that we met, but yeah. And then your, your, love, your you. lovely wife handed me a beer and you gave her, and you actually said, how do you know he drinks beer? What are you doing? Hand him a beer. <laughs> what was my comment when you handed me the beer? Thank you very to much. Be honest, I don't, oh, <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. No. So, so Mike, before we sign off here, um, do you have any um, final parting words or some, maybe some final words of wisdom that you'd like to leave with some people that are, are listening to today's podcast or maybe watching it on YouTube? Would you have any, um, some final words that you'd like to leave? Yeah, I guess, you know, the thing that gets me fired up the most and the message I want more people to hear is you know, we talked a lot about if you're feeling like you have those handcuffs on and you feeling like, you know, there's more to life, you can do it. You can go after it, right? You, you can, even though it's going to be scary and there's going to be fear in the way, 
you can do it, right? And I want more people to step up and, and take control of their life and, and live intentionally and decide what do I want and then go after it because it's totally possible um, and, it's, and it's very worth it. You know, once you get on the other side of it, it, it's amazing and the process is worth it. Even though it's scary, you know, when you look back on it, you'll be very thankful for, for all of it. Wow. Hang on. You got a bomb there dropped there, Mike. There's the bomb. Wow. I, Mike, I forgot to hit the button the whole time. Finally, I was just sitting there and I, I go, you, you got a bomb drop there, by the way. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I know he has the fancy technology to drop bombs, but I haven't even got one of them. What, like, well, what am I doing wrong? It's 100% operator error. It's not because you weren't dropping a whole bunch of bombs. Hang on, you get a double <laughs> one. Let's do one more. There you go. All right, guys. So I hope you guys got some fantastic value out of this. I know you did. I absolutely know you did. So if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure, you know, you give a heart, you give some likes, you give some applause, all kind of stuff like that. And make sure you always comment, like, share, and subscribe. So if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you do all those steps for us. And with that being said, Mr. Michael Bug, it is an honor to have this conversation with you. Um, I can't wait to have the next one. Maybe there'll be a you know, a fourth one in the net. Maybe it'd be every quarter you and I check in and uh, we have a conversation, a little checkup from the neck up and then we just record it for everybody for some value as well. Okay, Mike, have yourself a wonderful day. So, gang, what did you think? So, as you can probably tell, um, is there no question why he, why I'm impressed with Mike and the action that he takes? He is just such a coachable person. He is just such a person of action, instant implementation. He just grabs the bull by the horn and just gets it done. So what was some of your key takeaways from this episode? What was some of the biggest things that you took from this? Um, I took from this is, you know, having that team and being surrounded and supported by people that support your vision, having that plan and each and every day just getting up and working towards it. But most importantly, just having a um, supportive partner, a supportive community and having an environment that will support you on making that transition. Okay, so if any of you guys um, are listening to this, and maybe Mike's story and the story that you're going to hear after this in the next episode, which will come out next week, if you are interested in making that transition away from a job into a full-time career within real estate, it isn't, a, it isn't an easy transition. You need some help. You will need some support. You will need some guidance. You will need some insights and some wisdom of people who have made that transition and people that have helped people make that transition. So if you're interested in, if that's the boat that you're in and you're interested in having a consultation and maybe you'd like to get some coaching and some consulting and you need some help and guidance to make that transition from a job into a full-time career within real estate, a full-time entrepreneur within real estate, um, I help people make that transition. So if you are interested, wherever you're listening to this podcast in the show notes, there will be probably a couple links. There'll be either a link that will say a consultation or maybe even to um, talking about coaching. So if you are interested in going the next step and wanting to get full-time into the business of real estate, reach out. Let me know. Let's have a conversation. I have a very rigorous process and questionnaire that I put people through to see if this fits for you. 
Um, it's no obligation at the time of the, this recording. It still is free. So if you do click on one of those links and it says free, it still is free. I probably will end up starting to charge for this service because it is, I put a lot of value and a lot of time and effort into these consultations to find out if it's a right step for you. Okay, gang. So if you are interested in making that transition away from a job into uh, entrepreneurship and real estate and that full-time gig, by all means, hit me up, um, hit that link and let's have a conversation. Let's see if it's a fit and let's see if I can help you out with your next step. Okay, gang. So sure hope you enjoyed this one. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you share this. Make sure you leave the feedback. Keep inspiring others. If you're at a networking event or you're, you're, um, you know, on a Facebook group and somebody's asking, where do you listen to podcasts? You know, think of me. I would be greatly honored and I'd be greatly appreciated if you can just refer this podcast on to somebody else who's looking for some guidance, some wisdom from people who have more than 20 plus years of experience, who've been there, who've done that, who are here to serve and help you move forward. Okay, gang. With all that being said, you know how we end these podcasts. We end them off the same way each and every time. Remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always, always, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.